got to go quickly. It's a draw. It's a draw. And then she gets it back. Oh, you're kidding me. And the Sunshine Coast Lightning have achieved the unthinkable. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Inner Circle podcast. It's Sherelle McMahon with you alongside Bianca Chatfield. B, we have done one episode a little bit earlier this year when we first went into our COVID-19 lockdown, but the season's underway. We thought we'd get the crew back together. Welcome. How are you? How are you coping with everything at the moment? Oh, happy stage four, Sherelle. Um, (laughs) What a ridiculous time we find ourselves in. Uh, But I must admit, the best thing ever I think is having netball back to keep us entertained on the weekends. Both of our lives have changed dramatically probably um, since being in lockdown again, Um, but at least we can sit back and enjoy some netball. That is true. Uh, The first time we went into lockdown, there was no live sport. So that was certainly a bit of a challenge. So it's nice to have netball every weekend and pretty soon we'll be having it midweek as well. So we'll be up to the eyeballs with Suncorp Super Netball. And I'm very (laughs) excited about that uh, because I will be needing a break from my kids with homeschooling. I'll tell you that right now. (laughs) Actually, Sherelle, I want to ask you because... We know you as being the assistant coach of the Vixens and I imagine it was a very tough decision um, to not head up into the hub. Um, Probably you had all sorts of feelings going on about where you should be and what's the right thing to do. Can you tell me about that process and how long you had to decide about what you could do next? Yeah, because things changed so rapidly and so much, it was... Initially, it was a really tough decision. So the the process was initially we were told that we would probably be away for about two or three weeks initially um, and then be able to come back into Melbourne and play some games. Um, and I, we were thinking, yep, I can make that happen. I can, you know, sort out the, the rest of the family for that period of time. But then as the days kept going on, Uh, suddenly it was probably a little bit longer than that. And actually there was now a quarantine period. And then when we went into lockdown in Melbourne and that meant probably getting care for the kids from my family who live regionally um, was going to be more difficult as well. And then it ended up being, as you say, like it could be 10 or plus weeks that the the group are away. like it was actually quite an easy decision in the end because there were so many things that just were stacking up that would make it impossible. So it, it was an easy from a logistical point of view. It was just just not going to happen. But um, I am really shattered that I'm not there um, mm. because we've obviously done so much work uh, together as a group and to not be there as the season starts is really, really hard. But, um, you know, I've been in contact with the girls jumping on you know, a review and a look forward to the game on the weekend um, in a couple of hours today. So I've still got lots of contact with them. Okay, I feel like this first segment I'm going to pepper you with questions because I feel like you've got so (laughs) much insight. Uh, (laughs) My next thing I want to know, as the, like, specialist shooter as well and being in that assistant coach role, once you knew the super shot had come in, there's been a lot of commentary about whether it's a good or a bad thing, but no matter whether you love it or not, it's here to stay. For this season anyway but as a as a coach who'd be looking after the shooters how much did you prepare for it I mean you would have had so many restraints around how much you could actually train together but how much have the team prepared for the super shot yeah well I guess that is actually a good point the restrictions 
that we were living in um, made it really difficult to, to put a lot of time and effort into the strategy that sits around the two-point shot. Um, you know, we, a lot of these teams literally had not had any practice matches. They're playing kind of match play against each other, but not full matches. So um, that was certainly a challenge, but we did as much as we could. And when we were doing match play, we would include a two-point um, period of time where that, that was available to the girls. Um, and I think probably the, the approach that we have taken at the Vixens and that I've taken with the goalers was that we just wanted to kind of play our natural game a little bit. And particularly with the the athletes that we've got with the Vixens, they do naturally find themselves in that two-point zone anyway. They are quite comfortable m- mostly shooting from that distance. So, um, yes, we're, we're thinking about strategies and ways to create those opportunities a little bit more in that two-point zone. But um, at the moment, it's more... Uh, just playing the natural game and seeing how we can create those opportunities. Now, in saying that, the Vixens had the most attempts in that two-point zone, and that probably is due to the fact that um, they they, are fit, they do feel really comfortable out there. And um, one thing about the super shot that I really liked, Maui Kamwenda was one who was shooting some bombs from out there for the Vixens. Um, we saw Janelle Fowler out there doing it. So it's not just those... The, the moving goal attacks are, that are putting up those shots from that area. It's also some of the goalers who would not normally do that. So, you know, I, and I know that that's part of the reason this two-point shot was brought in to create some different avenues to goal. So if you're looking at from purely that perspective, you've got to say, you've got to give it a little bit of a tick. Well, you do. It was actually very entertaining for me personally to watch it on the weekend The thing, though, that I might have been living under a rock about was it is such a big boundary for a (laughs) two-point shot. It's 40% bigger, I believe, than what we saw in Fast Five. Are we making it too easy for the shooters to score two points? Like, surely it's got to be harder. Like, anyone can shoot. I could shoot from that distance and nail a two-point shot probably more than 50% of the time. You know what I mean? Are you surprised how big it is or did you always know it was going to be that big? Well, I knew it was going to be that big. I know that the zone that was for the um, bushfire match earlier in the year was much smaller and we probably did see quite a few missed goals. And we don't want that. We, You, you know, you don't yes, want do. to be... The percentage doesn't matter because it's more <laughs> exciting when you actually nail it rather than nailing it all yeah. the time. No, no, I understand that. No, I, I do get that that kind of building of the suspense. But... Um, yeah, I, I mean, I don't know. I, I think that for me, look, I don't know how much detail we want to go into now because we've got so much <laughs> to chat about in our first game. And I, I'm reserving my judgment. And I know everyone is aware of my opinion of the two-point shot and I'm not a fan. Um, but I am trying to reserve my judgment and having a look at, you know, a chunk of games rather than just a couple of games and seeing how it's played out. You know, I know there's been some excitement around the fact that, you know, it allowed Lightning to get back into the game um, when they were behind. And that's kind of why it was designed. I mean, my question mark about that is, you know, let's be honest, the Lightning went to a grand final last year and haven't had any changes to their list. And the Firebirds have had significant changes to their list. They had a very young team on there, a young team who was able to get the jump on that far more experienced Mm. team in that first quarter, actually build a really good lead. And then just because of a couple of two-point shots, that lead was eroded. And kind of in a way, I felt like it 
it took the wind out of the sails of, fire, of the Firebirds a little bit. And I feel like if that two-point shot wasn't there, we would have got a better overall contest in that game. Yeah, you're right. And one rule that I think has been a huge success, and the reason I'm loving it is it's exposing far more players on court than what we usually ever see. And that's the rolling subs. I know we've seen it a lot in Fast Five, but to me that is added so much extra to the game now. It's exposing new talent, like even Tip Dwan from the Firebirds, to see her out there and coming on and off and just getting an opportunity, which in a normal game last year, she probably wouldn't have got that opportunity straight away. They would have taken time to expose her to the game. Um, but these rolling subs, I think it brings more tactical part of the game from a coaching perspective. Um, I really like it. Are you a fan? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I love the rolling subs. And again, you know, we've spoken about this. I, I never liked the way we made our changes in netball with uh, athletes having to pretend they were injured. Um, so <laughs> I don't mind that. I know it's hard. I, I know a lot of people have been talking about the difficulty of keeping track of who's on the court and who's off the court. But, you know, that's that's part of it. We'll, we'll keep our eyes open for that and and checking it out. Um, but I, I do, I do really like that. Tipa Dwan, obviously, well, she was, she started the game because uh, Gretel Buto is now uh, pregnant and not uh, on the court. But um, it was, the, you know, those those other players who we were seeing, um, it's a tactic that the Firebirds were using. They were putting a specialist two-point shot player in because that switch is easy to make. Like there's, there is lots to like about that rolling sub. And I think that we will get, get our heads around it. And, um, uh, you know, for players like we, we've seen the Brown sisters, Maddie and Kelsey on the court. How exciting is that? That um, a little bit of extra time has allowed them to recover properly from their ACL and possibly them being able to come on and off the court a bit easier, um, you know, it just allows them to introduce themselves back into the game in a different way than they would have without the rolling subs. And it also certainly helps players like April Branley from the Giants, who we now have seen come back into uh, the league on such short notice after having her baby Clay. And excitingly, we get to talk to her a bit later on in the potty. Yeah, I can't wait to speak to April. She Once uh, we had decided to go ahead with the podcast and th- that story came out of the weekend, I mean, it came out of the blue for me. Um, <laughs> you know, she had stepped away from netball to have her baby and, um, it sounds like it all happened very quickly for us. So it'd be great to get some insight as to, to how that happened. And this is where I need to ask you because I have not had a baby and had to come back and play <laughs> netball, but you have, and you've been in that position before when you had Xavier. How long was it for you? How much preparation time did you have after giving birth to stepping back out there on court? And, and how hard was it? Yeah, Xavier was about seven months old when I started playing. So when I first came back to, to training in pre-season, um, Xavier was uh, just over three months old and I literally thought I was going to snap in half. <laughs> it was horrible. Now, I've got to say, I uh, did have a few extra years under my belt than April has and everyone's different with how they come back from um, all sorts of different things. So, you know, it was a big challenge for me. I had um, I had a band that I, a stiff band that I wrapped around my hips um, to keep my pelvis steady because I, you know, my pelvis was so unsteady, which was creating all sorts of problems for the rest of my body. So I literally strapped myself together. That's how I got myself out on court. And um, it was it was really challenging to do that. And, um, you know, I, I think it's the mental shift that, that's 
and and shift of perspective that I think is challenging too for an elite athlete. And I want to I want to ask April about that because um you know you you do you just see the world a little bit differently when you become a parent and. Um, along with those physical challenges that I had, it was the logistical challenge and, um, you know, wrapping my head around the fact that it's kind of not all about yourself anymore as an elite athlete, which it often is. Oh, and you can just imagine what April's had to go through in not only coming back to play, not really doing much of a pre-season, but also having to, within a couple of days' notice, get herself and I assume her husband um, and Clay up to Queensland to take on, you know, a netball season that who knows how long is going to be up in Queensland for. So (laughs) super excited that we get to chat to her all about it. Oh, yeah, definitely. And do you know what? I mean, you know, I spoke a little bit before about the process of the Vixens and the Magpies getting up to Queensland and how, you know, that was literally changing not even daily. It was multiple, like it was changing all the time. And obviously that's been the same uh, with the teams that were going into the New South Wales hub, which changed. Um, So this is going to be a season where people and players and teams are just going to have to be able to be flexible and able to deal with that change and, you know, deal with, living away from their normal circumstances. You know, I know uh, they're they're up in Queensland. There could be worse places to be, but um, they're they're not going to be allowed to, um, you know, go out and sit in a cafe and and have a coffee. They're not going to be able to go and do a lot of socialising. So it is going to be a very different existence for them. Um, And one of the things we'll do in this podcast as the season goes on is that we'll make sure that we're touching base with people who are living that and letting us know what the challenges are and getting in behind, Um, you know, even some of the admin people who are making these decisions and trying to make the season work because we haven't heard a lot from them. And I do not envy the people who were making those big decisions um, and trying to to make it work, particularly given the decisions they were making were having such huge impacts on people's lives. Mm, one, uh, I really want to know too how much um, you know testing is going on as well with the players. Um, I think that will be interesting to find out um, because, as we know, we hear a lot about what happens with the AFL players and the NRL players, but not as much about the netball girls. So hopefully, with this podcast, we can give everyone a bit of an insight into what's going on um, and yeah, share some of the great things that are happening with the sport because um, it's so so good to have it back. Yeah, it is. It's absolutely fantastic to have it back. And, you know, I think, as we mentioned, we've already seen some some new faces out there. Um, we mentioned those rolling subs. The, the the other reason we're seeing those new faces is because of the extended uh, 12 yes. on the bench now. And that was only brought in very late, um, only a couple of days before the start of the season. But, you know, again, it just allows... Um, those teams to expose the athlete, more athletes uh, to that, which will make um, those people who don't like the fact that we've got so many imports in the game, it allows perhaps the teams to have a few more young Australian players um, on their bench. But probably more importantly, it will allow um, the welfare and loading of the athletes to be taken care of. And, and B, maybe that, that's a chat we can have some uh, with someone as we go along, how the athletes are coping both mentally and physically with the requirements of this season, because it's very, very different to anything that they've experienced before. And when I think about it too, I mean, you know, when we would go on tour, say, with the Australian team, and you might have a tour that a long tour for us would probably be three or four weeks, you know, when you've got a major tournament and there's a pre-kind of tour before that. And, 
you know, three or four weeks, at the very end of those four weeks, it is a time where you know everyone is very, very ready to go home, to go back to some normality. Not that, you know, you're not sick of each other, but you're sick of living a structured routine life in a hotel. And so I can only imagine at the four-week mark that these players are going to be going through even tougher times than what we probably realise, just trying to every game get themselves up for it. Um, you know, we know everyone around the world is struggling in some way, shape or form, but I actually think it's going to be a really tough thing for them to be able to push through and get through to the 10-week mark without any of their usual support people that they have around them at home. Yeah, I, I agree. I think it's going to be a serious challenge for them. And, you know, everyone's different too with what they either left behind or, or what, what, you know, how they cope in that environment. You know, I'm, I'm sure that there are going to be some people who thrive in the environment and love the fact that they don't have the other distractions and love the fact that they can just focus on on doing that. But there are going to be some who who do really struggle with that. And I, and I know that there is a wellbeing committee that has been put together for the SSN um, and they'll be making sure that all those boxes are being ticked. Okay, last one before we get to April. We know the only other thing we haven't really spoken about is the last-minute change for no bonus point system this season. Is that a good, bad thing for you? What do you think? Oh, that's a good question. So no bonus points and also they were going to introduce the extra time if there was a draw in the game. So they've taken that away too and that's from a load management perspective. Um, I don't know. I, I, was ne- <laughs> I never really got on board with that. It was kind of just a thing that was happening um, that was kind of vaguely interesting. And I know it did keep some games interesting because they were kind of the margin was a bit bigger, but you still had something to play with for in some of the quarters. I don't know. I don't really mind. What are you? You Have you got a more? You're laughing at me because I'm like, I don't care. Um, and what about I just you? like the point about it being vaguely interesting that was quite that's a great quote from you um no I think um for me I don't mind that it's not there uh I by the end of the year it had grown on me last season so yeah I think they did have to make the changes it makes sense from a well-being point of view um there's just been a lot going on so I can only imagine what it's like in a team trying to put up and understand and work out what your plan of attack is going to be going forward but I think that's what makes it just as exciting Well, that's true. And and I've got to give a shout out to Aaron Fox and some of the people on social media. He he is a sports researcher at Deakin University. He's been putting out all sorts of um, stats around the two-point shot and around other things to do with netball. Uh, You know, like or not the rule changes and what has been happening, I don't think I've ever seen so much talk um, from a netball perspective about some of those things that have been happening. So, you know, from that perspective, that's that's a really positive thing. Um, and I'm sure that that will continue. One of the things actually just quickly that he's come out with is um, the two of the losing uh, teams actually shot more two points than the opposition. They mm. shot more two-point shots than the opposition. But it was their work during the, the one-point time, the normal play, um, that was able to win in the game. So, you know, teams might be able to do really well with that two-point shot but still not win them the game. So, I mean, it's only very early um, with some of those stats. So I'll be very much keeping um, an eye on all that. And one thing I was loving, I mean, after day one of games when we saw um, 
Steph Wood and Alice Tegneal get player of the match. I was thinking, oh, no, it's going to be a goal attack thing. The whole game is these two-point shooters, and it's going to all stand out and be fancy and fun. It was great to see Lauren Moore step up and get player of the match in their game for the Swiss because she yeah. was awesome. But I'm loving from a defender's point of view, and I'm sure we're going to focus more and more on that um, from the commentary and all of that over the next few weeks as it, as it starts to work out. But just tactically how you take on the two-point shot, how your wing defence and centre potentially float back in to protect the space a little bit more during that last five minutes. I think there's so much more to be uh, revealed in how players will take on this, and it's going to be it's going to be interesting. But I really think, from a defensive point of view, the teams that have the best units, so their centre, wing defence, goal defence, keeper, all working very systematically together, that that's going to be the teams that I think really dominate in that space. Yeah, I agree. And um, I mean, I feel like there's been a lot of focus on the two point shot, and we've probably done it in this podcast as well. I, I know. Thomas, I do, no more, I, everybody. No more. I know. <laughs> we're, we're not going to be talking about that every week. I mean, this is the first time. And, you know, even I, I know it's possibly an exciting talking point, but, you know, there, I wouldn't want it to, to turn into that people are just waiting for that last five minutes because that's the bit that's exciting about netball because the two-point shot comes into play. There's far much more excitement to be had right across the game too. So hopefully how we speak about that um, reflects that, Bianca. Now, come on, we've actually, as I said before, we've got, um, and you mentioned before, April Branley is going to be joining us. She's waiting for us and we don't want to keep her waiting because she's up in the hub, she's got a baby, she's got all sorts of things going on. So um, stick with us because just after this, April Brandley from Can You Believe It? The New South Wales Giants <laughs> will join us. Welcome back, everyone, to the Inner Circle podcast. As we mentioned before the break, we are so excited to be speaking to this lady, April Brandley. 39 games for the Australian Diamonds, has been a part of quite a few teams, actually, across uh, national netball, uh, most recently with the Magpies netball team and, surprisingly, now with the New South Wales Giants. April, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. (laughs) Well, I've got to say, April, a couple of days ago when I saw the announcement that you were going to be pulling on the orange dress, I had to do a double take because uh, after having your baby, beautiful Clay, uh, just recently in February, I wasn't sure that you were going to be making it back for this season. Can you give us just a little bit of insight as to exactly how that happened? Yeah, neither did I, to be honest. <laughs> I'm a little bit in shock myself. <laughs> Um, no, yeah. If you asked me, you know, a month ago if I would have been pulling on a netball dress, I would absolutely have said no way. Um, so, you know, but it's been um, it's been really cool. Um, it's all kind of happened really quickly, and um, yeah, it's a whole different experience. Hey, like I've played netball, you know, since I was eight years old, and um, doing it this time is it's so different. But it's actually been really cool to experience and. Um, yeah, it's, it's really cool to have um, Clay along for the ride with me and so far so good. So hopefully he keeps behaving himself. <laughs> Can you take us through, Apes, the specifics around how much training had you been doing before you got the call up from the Giants and, and how much have you actually spent with the team in the lead up to this first game? Yeah, so I pretty much got called in a couple, probably a couple of weeks ago in the hour just as, um, you know, helping with numbers at training and everything like that. 
Um, and even when I got the call, I thought, oh, maybe Julie's, you know, just calling me about next year or whatever. And when she said this year, I was like, oh, my God, you have to be kidding me. I have no idea how I'm going to go. Um, but luckily for me, like, after um, having clay, I did, um, you know, I gave myself the time to heal and everything like that. But also um, I do like keeping quite fit and makes me feel good probably more mentally as well. So I was quite lucky that I did come in um relatively okay wouldn't say like you know 100 percent, but I did have a baby five months ago so that's all right um but yeah so then obviously um the draw completely slipped and we had to be up in Queensland um you know within I think it was 24 hours so yeah the last four days of just being like processing everything being like okay we're in Brisbane we're doing this it's like yeah being such a whirlwind but I kind of like enjoy that a little bit as well <laughs> Well, talk to us a little bit about that too, because as you mentioned, you were expecting that these, at least these first few weeks of the season would be uh, at home with uh, with all the, the support, I guess, that you have around you. But now you've had to move to that Queensland hub, as, as many people have, to get the season underway this year. How does that work? How does that work with a baby? Are you all in together with the team? Have you got your uh, a partner with you or someone supporting you there? How exactly does that work? Yeah, so it's been a real big learning curve for me as well and how it all works. So um, obviously having, I think, um, Beth Bully do it before me, Giants have been really good. They kind of just know, um, you know, that we need our own space. So um, myself and my husband and obviously Clay have travelled up together and um, we have, like, our own little apartment because we've got so much stuff. Like, packing for a baby, it's ridiculous how much stuff you yep. to bring just to cover every base. Just in case this happens, just in case that happens. So, um, yeah, no, it's been really good. Um, and Jace is obviously, you know, I feed Clay before training and then, um, yeah, hand him off to Jace and Jace walks around with him in the carrier. Looks like Alan from The Hangover with the baby on the front. <laughs> Um, yeah, but obviously this weekend we had our first game, so it was kind of like logistically how it all works. Um, yeah, Jace came down into the change room with, with us and I fed Clay before and then, yeah, it worked out really well. So once I've kind of got them sorted, I can sort of relax and go into game mode. Yeah, so I was I was happy it worked all well and he was happy at the end of the game. <laughs> and how did you feel when you were actually out there on the court? Did it feel like any different to you? How did you feel like, you know, you went? Yeah, it was so bizarre. I was on the court going, oh, my God, I can't believe I'm playing in the SSM. Like, I haven't actually missed the game. What the hell? Like, <laughs> I was having just a moment, like, what are you doing, April? <laughs> um, but I think initially coming on, I was a little bit um, nervous. Like, my mouth was so dry. I was like, okay, this is happening. And then obviously coming on in the last quarter, again, I felt a little bit more relaxed. Um, I think it's just a matter of, like, just trusting my body again and getting that... Um, you know, I feel like my legs are still a little bit very spaghetti <laughs> with the, um, <laughs> the direction, but you know, I'm you know not naive to the fact that it's going to take me a little bit of time to get that kind of you know um, change of direction and netball specific stuff back again. I just have to be a little bit more patient than yeah, what I'm used to, I guess. <laughs> Yeah, and it's always yeah. tough that first game back on court, regardless of whether you've had a baby or not. Um, yeah, so you always feel that one. Um, yeah. And I, I know what it feels like getting back out onto court after having a baby. It, uh, yeah, it does, does add an extra layer, that's for sure. But um, 
obviously one of the big talking points has been uh, this super shot. Um, so I wanted to get, uh, we've been talking a lot to goalers and how they're experiencing things. I'm really interested in how you're approaching it from a defensive perspective. I mean, you pro- your head's probably still spinning a bit from everything else, but um, have you had much of a chance to talk tactics and, and how did it feel? Um, I think you were out on court when the two-point shot was in play. How, how does it feel um, when you're out there? What's the differences for you? Yeah, well, it's so different. I was trying to convince Julie to, you know, let me come back as a goal attack, but she saw a couple of my practice skills at training and that definitely wasn't happening. <laughs> right. Um, but, <laughs> um, but, yeah, no, it's so different. Um, I just think, like, being mindful that, you know, you have to be really switched on that in you know, five minutes to go, you pretty much have to um, change your mindset. Like, your whole um, growing up, you get taught to, you know, cover the post, you know, cover that back drive, you know, protect the post type of thing. But I guess when that super shot happens, it's a completely, um, it's like everything you've learned, just flip that on its head and do the opposite <laughs> as a defender. So it's pretty much, um, yeah, you have to cover all the outside of the circle. And I think that's, you know, obviously where the wing defence is going to come into play to help you out a little bit as well. But I think it is exciting for the game, um, you know, I guess it is to what, as a spectator, it would be exciting to watch, but it definitely completely changes the game in terms, in terms of getting your head around what you need to change and, um, you know, being a defender as well. So, yeah, a little bit to think about out there when I'm trying to solve everything else. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You've got so much going on. Can you please do me a favour, Apes? I need a defender to win player of the match at some stage this season because I feel like this super shot is really going to dominate player of the matches. So I'm going to put the pressure on you and I want to see that from you. (laughs) But one thing I want, I think that's going to be an advantage for you and also to help you get back into the game, um, I think is the rolling subs. I know you would have played at different times with fast five and I, from a spectator now, I really am enjoying seeing everybody and all the changes and I guess the tactics behind the rolling subs. Does Julie talk to you about that, how she's going to use the rolling subs pre-game or is it more just as the game plays out? Yeah, I think it's um, for me hearing about the rolling sub, I was like, well, that's going to be my last saver. Woohoo! <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I think it is. It's, you know, um, you saw the Swiss kind of use. That, that as a tactic um, in the last game as well. And I think, you know, out there, you kind of like, look around and you've got one player and you go, oh, crap, I'm on someone else now. Like, you kind of have to be really switched on on who you're marking. But I think it's, um, you know, a really good strategy that you can use to either tire players out that have been on there for a while or, um, yeah. But for me, I think just taking any, any opportunity I can to, you know, if I'm on there for a minute, if I'm on there for 15, just trying to make an impact. Um, while we're out there because the game just changes so quickly these days. Yeah, and it's going to be so interesting to see how the tactics kind of evolve across the season too with how mm. each of the teams use that. I'm really looking forward to seeing that. Um, April, obviously a big part of your story is baby Clay and you've, we've spoken about him a little bit. I'm, I'm interested in how being a mum has changed you so far as an elite athlete. How has that impacted both you, well, physically we've spoken about, but Often I think when you become a mum or a parent, it's it's the emotional and um, the the mental side of it that really shifts for you. Is that what you found? What, what's the difference you think now that you're a mum as an elite athlete? 
Absolutely. I think you just whole perspective changes. Um, you know, I think me a year or two ago, like, I was so consumed in netball, 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 but I feel like now it's like you don't even have time to think about netball. As soon as you, you know, step off the netball court, Clay's demanding all of my attention. But I think, you know, for me, that's actually probably a really good thing. Um, you know, I get to sort of, you know, I'm not overthinking anything too much and, um, you know, I get to do both the things that I love, which is, you know, him as well as netball. And, yeah, I think for me it's given me a good perspective shift. Um, and it's funny that, you know, like a few nights since we've been here, Clay's had some shocking sleep. Like I've hardly had mm. much sleep. But, like, if I had that, you know, a year ago, if I had a really bad sleep before a game, I'd be freaking out going, oh, <laughs> yes. so bad or whatever. <laughs> but nowadays you just don't even have time to think about it. You're like, all right. Get on with it. <laughs> so, yeah, no, it's been really nice. It's been a really, really cool experience for me. I've really enjoyed it so far. So in preparation now with the Giants, um, do you have any idea how long you will be in Queensland for? What are you hearing? Um, and how do you go about, I mean, you're used to playing a netball season where it's all so structured and all so set out. How are you all going as a team dealing with whatever's thrown at you at the moment? Yeah, we've been really good. I think um, motherhood actually probably teaches you that you can't, you just got to go with whatever's in front of you because things change at the drop of a hat. Um, yeah, but we could be up here for 10 weeks, you know, 12 weeks. We don't know. Um, but it's, you know, it's not a bad, bad place to be. I think we'll be up at the sunny coast <laughs> in a few weeks. So <laughs> life could be harder. <laughs> it's not. It's just got to take, roll with the punches. We've got a good crew here. Everyone's pretty resilient and gets along really well. So, yeah, no, it should be it should be okay. Well, we've seen you out there with the Diamonds, April. Are you going to put your hand back up for selection for, <laughs> for the Aussie team? Oh, my God. <laughs> Cheryl, what are you doing to me? No. <laughs> no, I don't, not at this stage. I couldn't imagine. I couldn't imagine, but who knows? Who knows? I wouldn't have thought I would have been here a month ago. So who knows what's going to happen in the future, hey? <laughs> yeah, well, exactly. And that's that's the thing about the situation we're in at the moment. So, you know, maybe it's giving yeah. us all some good perspective, as you mentioned before, and some good resilience about being able to just adapt. And as been mentioned before, yeah. sometimes as, as elite athletes and, and in this elite training environment, it can be difficult to do that. So... Um, it's good to hear that you yeah. and, and the rest of the team are, are kind of coping with that because that will, yeah. I think, really set the team up that's going to do well this season. Yeah, I feel like 2020 has just been the year of adapting to whatever happens. You know, who would have thought all of the COVID stuff would have happened? So, you know, it's just rolling with it, rolling with the punches and getting on with it. And well, now, that's the thing. you've got lots yeah. of babysitters as well while you're in the hub. Like, it's kind of handy for you, isn't it, that you can go, Clay, let's just go over there and hang out with... Some of the other teammates would give me a bit of a rest. <laughs> I know, exactly. Jamie Lee's apparently the baby whisperer, so whenever he's, you know, crying at 2 o'clock, I might give her a call in the night. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Jamie Lee, I probably didn't pick her. I'm not sure why, but I don't know that I picked her as a baby whisperer, but good I on know. you, Jamie Lee. I've got a couple of kids here too. I might give her a call to uh, come and help me out. <laughs> <laughs> she hasn't got much on at the moment. Hey, April, we're going to let you go because no doubt you've got a busy day with all sorts of things happening. Um, we want just want to say a huge thank you. And, you know, this uh, COVID-19 situation has thrown a lot of curveballs at us. But what we have seen is that we've probably seen a couple of athletes out there 
that we wouldn't have been seeing this season because of that little bit of extra time. So in some ways it's a positive. Hopefully you're seeing is it a positive April because um, we certainly are seeing you back out there. Congratulations. Give Clay a big kiss and a cuddle from <laughs> the Inner Circle podcast and thanks for joining us. Oh, thanks for having me, guys. Great to chat to you both. Well, there you have it. That was April Bramley joining us and be... Um, you know, some people in this world bring a really great energy, don't they? April has always been one of those people. And I kind of feel like in these times, having a bit of bubble and light in your life is not a bad thing. Oh, 100%. And, you know, as soon as I heard that she was in training with the Giants, I'm like, she's the perfect player to be able to just take it all on board, what she's had to do, get herself up to Queensland. You know, she's just a really positive person and can't wait to see what she does for the rest of the season. Yeah, it'll be great to see that. And I'm sure her story will evolve as will many others. Hey, one other story be that we'll be keeping an eye on. Um, it was announced a couple of weeks ago that uh, our our esteemed uh, leader and ex-captain of ours from the Australian Diamonds, Liz Ellis, is going to head up an independent review that Netball Australia are running, um, the state of the game. They're checking into uh, the impacts of this COVID-19 um, epidemic or pandemic, sorry, that we're going through, um, resetting the strategy for Netball Australia. And they're going to be looking at that right from the grassroots level right through to the elite level. It's a, it's a, do you think it's a good thing to be checking in on that? Well, absolutely. I think it's really, really important for our sport. And just while we talk about that, I just want to shout out to Sue Gordian because what she has done in the off-season with her um, videos that she's been interviewing or a Zoom chat where she's been interviewing past players. But more importantly, what she did and the interview she did with Beryl Friday, I think was one of the most fascinating things and one of the most important learning experiences I have had as a player. Um, and even though we don't want to just talk about it now as something quick, I think we will definitely focus on that at some stage and potentially even have a podcast where we focus on all the amazing Indigenous players that we have had um, across our game because... It's, it's something that if you haven't seen it, you do need to go back and watch. But well done to Gordy for just being proactive in that space and to, to helping us all learn a little more. And thanks so much, Beryl, for your honesty. Yeah, absolutely. It was a really emotional and special moment in our sport. And probably on the back of that, I think that that has um, prompted Netball Australia already to, to shift uh, a little bit on, on the way uh, they are presenting themselves around that space. And um, I know the players, obviously, if anyone was watching the games on the weekend, um, they had a moment at the beginning of each match to um, kind of reflect uh, the respect in that space. So I absolutely agree, B. That's another. Gee, we've got a lot of, I've got a long <laughs> list of things we need to cover in this podcast <laughs> over the next couple of months. So um, I'm very much looking forward to that. B, it was great to, to be back with you chatting again. Hopefully, everyone has enjoyed this. If you're listening, as B was saying before, you can tune in on iTunes and Spotify, but you probably already know that if you're here. <laughs> Um, maybe drop us a five-star rating if you like. Uh, I think that I think our rating ratio is still going okay, B. That's right. Let's start afresh this year, see how many five-stars we get. Um, but also, everybody, love engaging with you all on Twitter during the games over the weekend. So make sure you keep tweeting us out th all your thoughts, ideas, anything that you want us to cover, and we'll try and uh, get to that when we're doing the podcast each week. Fantastic. So we've got uh, a little bit of a wait now before round two and then th there'll be games coming at us from all sorts of areas and uh, we are looking very much uh, to chatting through all those uh, as the season goes on. B, chat to you next week. I can't see you then.